But we're going to bring a message today. We're so excited. God's got a good word for you. You know, Habakkuk uh, was uh, one of the prophets in the Bible. And he, he started off his book with a question. He said, how long, O Lord? <laughs> you know, the psalmist, he wrote in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 13. He said, how long, O Lord? Isaiah one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, it's, I think it's in uh, Isaiah 5 or 6. He said, how long, O Lord? You know, the, we see it in the scripture. Great people of faith asking God, how long, O Lord? You know, sometimes we're, we're in a place of waiting. But I'm telling you, let's not be whiners. Let's not be complainers. Let's go to God with our questions, and let's get an answer from him. Let's see some breakthrough from him. We're talking about waiting here for you, and we're talking not just about us waiting for God, but we're talking about how God waits for us as his people, and and one of the things he does is he waits for us so our faith will grow. You know, uh, something cool is going on right now is a couple of people came to uh, attend the service in the parking lot. You can come to the parking lot and tune your radio in to 105.5, and you can be part of the service. So there's people, I know Guy is listening, and Marlene is listening, so I'm just giving a shout out to you. Thanks for being a part of the service in the parking lot this morning. And then then uh, on Good Friday, we're planning communion services right here in the parking lot. Look on the website, because I don't want to tell you the times, because I'll get mixed up. But we want you to register for those. Uh, there's going to be cinnamon buns, fresh baked cinnamon buns for you and all that. We're going to just be celebrating the goodness of Jesus. Also, this week, uh, children are being invited to be part of the virtual egg hunt. Uh, and you can find out about that on the website as well. And uh, we're believing for a thousand kids to do that uh, virtual egg hunt and get their names entered in to draw for prizes and then get a devotional. Uh, which is going to be, a, it's a really great uh, kids cartoon devotional that they get for participating. And then they're invited to our kids church live on Easter Sunday. We're going to have some great times here Easter Sunday. We're believing for some breakthroughs. Right now we're going to jump into the word. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray you would speak to us life-giving word. Breakthrough, new life, new hope in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I want to just say to you, uh, that waiting is not my favorite thing. So I'm not preaching to you uh, as a choir boy, you know, that I've got it all together. I struggle with waiting. And, uh, you know, uh, I think if you think back to when we were kids, you know, our whole life was almost about waiting, right? When you're a kid, you're you're uh, waiting for milestones. You know, you're waiting till your mom and dad will let you walk to school by yourself or with your friends or, or till you can ride your bike on the road. Eh? Remember that? When, you're, when your uh, mom or dad said, okay, you're old enough, you, you can ride your bike on the road. Uh, when, when we can get our driver's license, when we can go on our first date, you know, I remember when my kids came and asked me, Dad, can we start dating? You know, I just laugh when I think about that. Because our life is about waiting when we're young. And uh, I, I think I, in my family, I have a little more patience than Carla. You know, Carla, I think, has a harder time with patience. And, and for some reason, I, I, it could be because there were seven kids in my family and I, I was forced to learn how to wait. 
But, you know, I always get a chuckle with Carla because uh, one of the things that we will do, she'll buy like a gift for someone. And, you know, their birthday or Christmas, and it's in a week or two or three down the road. But she wants to give them the gift as soon as she gets. It's like in the closet hiding, and she's just like wants to give it to them, right? Right away, uh, she's so excited about them getting it. It's hard for her to wait. And, uh, you know, last Sunday, actually, Carla's birthday is tomorrow. So there's some cards and stuff coming uh, to our house, actually, already and last week, uh, before last Sunday, so it was probably the Friday before or whatever, uh, someone sent a card to her. And so she thought, oh, this is a birthday card. And I came home on Sunday and she said, I couldn't wait. I had to open it. <laughs> I just love that. Eh? She's just so impatient. She just can't wait. It's good to have that even when we're older, that we just have that uh, anticipation of good things. So most of us have a hard time waiting. You, you might be waiting for a baby to be born. You might be waiting for some test results. Maybe you wrote a test and you're just like dying to find out if you pass. Maybe you're waiting for uh, an opportunity to go on vacation again or waiting to be immunized uh, from COVID. Maybe you're waiting for spring. <laughs> Wasn't that crazy this morning? Waking up and snow is falling on the second day of spring. Uh, maybe you're waiting to gather together uh, in the church here, building as a family again. How often have we thought about it, though, that God is also waiting for us? God is waiting. You know, the Bible says the Lord is patient. In, in uh, Psalm 145, it says the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger, and he's rich in Love, aren't you glad to know that God is patient? He's gracious and compassionate. He's slow to get angry. You know, one of the markers of true love, you might be wondering, does, does that guy really love you? Does that girl really love you? Well, one of the markers of true love that we see in God is patience. Are they patient? Are they just trying to force you into stuff? Are they trying to force you to move ahead faster than you feel comfortable? Well, one of the markers of true love is patience. One characteristic we see in Jesus is how he demonstrates that he is waiting for us uh, as disciples. And we see this in, uh, in uh, one of the stories of his ministry is that he's waiting for our faith to grow. You know, Jesus is waiting uh, for us, in that he's waiting for our faith to grow. So we think, well, why is he waiting? Well, he wants to see our faith grow. Matthew's telling the time uh, that Jesus was with his disciples in uh, Matthew chapter 14. And there's a multitude of people that are following them. And, and they're wanting to get close to Jesus. They're wanting to learn from Jesus. Uh, this is when uh, Matthew tells the story of the 5,000 people that were fed miraculously with a small lunch that a boy had brought. In Matthew 14, 15 and 16, it says, As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. That just sounds practical, doesn't it? It just sounds like common sense. Like, send these people away, Jesus. Get rid of them and tell them to go feed themselves. And then in verse 16, Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. <laughs> I 
just love this story because I, I just know I encounter this all the time. And I use this approach when I'm discipling people. You know, Jesus ended up showing them how to live by faith. Faith again. This was a lesson that he taught his disciples. This is a lesson that he's teaching us over and over. How many times have you heard someone say, We gotta we gotta have more faith? We gotta believe more. We gotta walk by faith. It's just part of the Christian life. And here we're seeing Jesus again showing us as his disciples that. We need to live by faith. It's not just about sending people away, telling people to go do things on your own or whatever. He's asking them to give them something to eat. And his hope is that their faith would grow. You know, Jesus is waiting. He's giving opportunity. He's there being patient for his disciples. And he's just giving them, he's feeding them opportunities. He's like, it's like a hockey game, you know, when the, when, uh, um, the good Alexander Ovechkin, you know, he's standing in the, the face-off dot over on the side of the net, and someone feeds him the, the puck, and he takes a wrist shot or a slap shot. Reed's got just such a fast release, and he almost scores every time, it seems. And, and this is what Jesus was doing. He was feeding them the puck. He was feeding them an opportunity to, to let their faith grow. Is there a challenge in your life right now? Are you facing something that seems too hard for you to overcome in the natural? You know, Carla and I, we faced many challenges in our life. Uh, one of the things I was thinking of this week is we bought our house that we li were living in, and it had uh, cedar siding, and it was neglected. It was all black and ugly. It was a mess. It was weathered. The people had put something on it that was all wrong. It was running and dripping. And we tried to fix it. We went to, the, we went to our uh, painters and we went to the paint store. We, went, we tried asking people that would know. We tried all kinds of things. And it seemed like we would, we would get it fixed. And a month or two later, it would start to bubble the stain. It would start to peel. It would start to just come out again. It would just start over and over. You know, after years of trying to solve the problem, you know, it finally came clear that we needed to just rip that siding off the house and we needed to reside the house. But, you know, we didn't have any money uh, to do it. We, we didn't have the resources to do what needed to be done. And so what did I do? Well, I just put it off. I just, I just pretended it wasn't there. I just didn't look at it anymore. I just would just ignore it. When I was walking into my house, I would look down, <laughs> you know, and go in the door and just not look. I was just putting it off, hoping it would go away, hoping somehow it would fix itself. You know, excuses are an enemy of our faith. Excuses are an enemy of our faith. Why do today... What you can put off till tomorrow, right? How many of us live by that? You know, we just, we just start agreeing with excuses, that excuses are somehow greater than the power of God, an opportunity that God could do something. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, guys, do it. You do it. Do it today. Don't make an excuse. Don't send them away. Don't tell them to go do it themselves. You do it. You know, is there a voice in your life? Is there something saying to you today? You know, when I'm telling this story about a challenge that you're facing, 
that says, do it today. You do it. Have some faith. Time to believe. It's time to take some action. You know, a close friend of mine came to me and said, said uh, you know what, Greg, that, that siding is a mess. You need to do something about it. <laughs> and you know it's bad when your friends are, are telling you you got to do something about it. And, uh, I, you know, I'd been hoping someone else would look after it. God would just kind of send a lightning bolt or whatever and heal it or something. And, and it just wasn't happening. So I started to take steps. You know, I started to look for siding. I got a deal on some, some hardy siding. And, and, and it was kind of just primed. I had to paint it, so I had to pick a color. And so we, we went through the agony of trying to decide what color are we going to paint that stuff. And then, and then I started borrowing tools from, from friends and, and watching YouTube and trying to figure out how to actually get it on there. And, and uh, soon I had people offering to help me. And uh, my boys offered to help me. And, and Ian's son, Ryan, uh, who's a carpenter, he, he came and gave me some suggestions and he lent me uh, a leveling tool to get the stuff started and gave me some tips on how to get going on it. And, and uh, Brad uh, came and helped me. I remember him being there and different ones came and, and Berkeley was there and, and uh, he's been a great friend and he was helping me. And before we knew it, the job was done. You know, here was this impossible task. And uh, the word came from a friend that said, you need to do it. And we stepped out and guess what? Now it's done. And that's how faith works. It just works when we start to take action, when we start to believe and put our faith into action. Faith needs an opportunity to grow. Now, you know, our siding did not just, you know, solve the problem. It didn't just turn out okay. I, I, I am proud of the job that turned out it. It turned out really, really well. In fact, um, um, just trying to find my spot in this note. You know, our test, our challenge, we can look at it and say, you know what, I, I, I don't know what to do. But when we agree with God, our faith gets activated. And by our agreement, not our complaint, <laughs> not our complaint, not our whining, but agreeing with God, he's going to help me. He's going to help me. We can see impossible become possible. We can begin to grow in our faith. You know, uh, it's pretty cool um, that people will, uh, when I'm out in my yard, people actually stop and tell me how good our house looks. I've had people ring our doorbell and ask me, what color is that on your house? Or who did that job? I want to hire those people. And so that's pretty, that's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting to think that God can use our challenges when we come into agreement with him as an opportunity for our faith to grow. You know, Jesus is waiting to use tests and challenges and the impossible in our lives to help us grow in our faith. If you're facing something today, you could ask, could this be a time that Jesus is waiting for my faith to grow? 
Maybe you just want to ask, Jesus, are you waiting for my faith to grow with this challenge? I want to give you four questions today to ask God that could shorten the wait for him. <laughs> it'll shorten your wait. It'll shorten his wait. So the first question is, is there something that you want to say to me? Is there something that you want to say to me? You know, Jesus speaks to us. And when he does, it builds and activates our faith. You know, let's not expect problems to activate our faith. Let's not expect challenges to activate our faith. Let's expect Jesus' voice to activate our faith. So sometimes we'll see a problem, we'll see a challenge, we won't know what to do. What we need to do is hear his voice and it will activate us, it'll strengthen us, it'll be the thing that breaks the barrier that helps us to be able to overcome with our faith. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. What does he sustain with his powerful word? All things. That includes you and I. And he wants to give us strength to get through the challenges we're facing. Problems are not going to be the thing that motivates us. It's going to be Jesus' voice. And the first thing we got to do is ask him and say, is there something you want to say to me about this thing that I'm facing? You know, the disciples didn't have faith to feed the multitude. But when Jesus spoke to them, they did it. Isn't that amazing? We look at that and say, oh, they didn't have faith. They were trying to send people away. But Jesus spoke to them, and they did what Jesus asked them to do. And when they did it, they overcame. His voice gave them faith. You know, it wasn't more stuff that gave them faith. It wasn't more food or more, you know, more whatever. We, we get in our minds, if I just had more, God, then I could serve you. Then I could do that thing. Well, no, it's his voice that's going to motivate you and I into having faith. And it's going to shorten God's wait as he's waiting for us to grow in faith. We need to hear his voice. We need to hear his voice. I'm telling you, church. This is a time to fight to hear the voice of Jesus. This is not a time to give up or to shrink back. This is a time to make room to hear the voice of God. Man, in church-wide prayer this morning, we were doing this very thing. We asked the Lord to speak to us. We told him, Jesus, we need to hear your voice. We long to hear your voice. We long to be strengthened by you, O oh God, directed by you. We want to follow you. So come and speak to us. And as he does that, it helps us have overcoming faith to follow him and do things that would not actually be done in our own strength. All you have is exactly all you need for your future. All you have is exactly all you need for your future. We can make excuses. If I had this, well, Pastor Greg, if I was you, then I could do it. You know, if I was Brad and Courtney, then I could do it. You know, we could think of all kinds of, if I was them, if I had that, if I, if I could do this, if I could get over this. Jesus is asking you to use what you have. In this story, they use the little boy's lunch. 
It was all they had, and all they had was exactly all they needed for the future that Jesus wanted to lead them into. We need to hear his voice. It's not quantity, but it's the quality of our obedience. Will we obey his voice? Will we hear his voice, and will we obey it? Number two, is there somewhere that you want to lead me, Lord? Is there somewhere that you want to lead me? You know, we have a dependency on others to be fed spiritually. And it becomes so strong at times that it can get unhealthy. We're depending on other people to feed us. We're, we're, de- we're depending on, on the pastor. We're depending on a podcast. We're depending on our husband or wife. We're depending on whatever to feed us. And it can uh, get unhealthy. Hearing the Bible taught is only one part of being fed spiritually. There's actually two sides of being fed. The first is hearing the word, like we're doing now, reading the word, hearing God speak through his word. The second part of that is obeying the word. Obeying the word. Listen to what Jesus taught us in his Discipleship 101 class in John 4.34. He said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So once we hear his voice, then we ask, is there somewhere you want to lead me? Is there something I need to do to obey you? When we know God's bigger plan, we're energized to help him fill it. The disciples didn't just take part in or watch Jesus do the miracle of feeding the 5,000. They followed his instructions and they saw the miracle happened before their own eyes come out of their own hands. And you know what it says? The response at the end of that story, which I really think is kind of funny. These guys actually cleaned up the leftovers and they did the dishes. <laughs> Tell me that's not a miracle, right? They, they uh, were so blown away by what Jesus did. They cleaned up the leftovers and they did the dishes. Number three. Is there something you want me to surrender? The third question you could ask God. Is there something you want me to surrender to you? When we ask God this question, we make him the Lord over our lives. Romans 6.13 says, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him. <laughs> Make him the Lord is what he's saying. Paul is saying to the Romans, as an instrument of righteousness. You know, Christians, we're, we're, we aren't called to be pretenders. <laughs> we're not called to fake it till we make it. We're called to be transformed by God. If we lack faith, he's calling us to come into a greater level of faith. He's calling us into transformation. And one of the ways we do it is we do it through surrender. We make him the Lord. It doesn't become our strength that's doing the challenges. It becomes his strength. We don't boast in how perfect we are already. (laughs) We don't put on a show that we have all things together. But we realize how weak we are. 
and how much we need Jesus. Paul said, I boast in this. I boast in my weaknesses. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He boasted in. He boasted in the fact that he had made Jesus the Lord of his life. Surrender moves me off the throne of my life, and it gives Jesus that place. It gives Jesus the place of the throne of our lives. The kingdom, kingship place he gives, uh, uh, we give him in, in our lives. We should all have many stories of surrender. We should have stories of our weakness and how we've given the place, the greatest place in our lives to Jesus. That Jesus is greater. That Jesus has the ability that we don't have. You know, when we live like we're perfect, we're saying we don't need another king. We're the king. When we put on the front that we have it all together, we live like we don't need the king of kings. You know, it's no wonder our kids question their own need of Jesus because we act like we don't need him. How weak are we? We need you, God. We need you, Lord. We need your strength in our lives. We need to hear your voice. We need your overcoming presence to give us wisdom and courage. Lord, we need you to make a way for us when it seems there is no other way. You know, I was saved out of a desperate place. Without Jesus, my life would be in the sewer. I have no hope without you, Jesus. I have no strength without you, God. You've kept me. You've protected me. You've been faithful to me, Jesus. And I proudly proclaim, I am weak, but Jesus, you are strong in my life. You're the Lord of my life. I'm desperate for you, Jesus. I long for you to empower me. I long for you to help me to be faithful and true. I help you to help me. I long for you to help me love people that are unlovable, God. When I'm frustrated and impatient, God, I need you, Lord. When I lose my cool, God, I need you, God. When it comes to being faithful, Lord, I need you. I need your strength in my life. I need to hear your word. I need to hear your voice. I need you, Holy Spirit, to empower me. I am proud to say, I need you, Jesus. You're my King of kings. You're my Lord of lords. Oh, Jesus, I need you. I want you to know, Jesus, when I pray, when I pray for people, I have no power in me to change a situation. I'm completely dependent on you, God. I'm throwing myself at your feet, God, for your mercy, God. For our church, for our community, for our province, God, we need you, Lord. We're not strong enough to get through this on our own, God. We need you. We need a move of God. We need the strength of God. We need the king of kings to be the king of kings. Oh, Jesus, we love you. One of the questions, <laughs> number three that we can ask, is there something, Jesus, that you need me or want me to surrender to you? And I pray 
that you didn't just listen to me confessing and surrendering, but that you are confessing and surrendering to Jesus. Number four, is there something for me to confess? And this is our last point today. Is there something for me to confess? You know, what's the big deal about confession? You know, we hear about confession and we, we hear the verses and we agree with them. Uh, but we don't do it. We don't, we don't confess. We, we're, 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 we pretend that we don't need to confess, but we truly do need to confess. So what's the big deal with it? Number one is it brings forgiveness. Confession brings forgiveness. Why is that important? Well, when there's sin in our lives, it makes us powerless. It makes us sick. It brings, it brings hopelessness and despair into our lives. It brings confusion into our lives. Why do we need confession? Because it brings forgiveness. It sets us free. It just wipes the slate clean and we don't live in shame. We live in hope. We live with, with uh, opportunity and possibility because of forgiveness. Number, number two, it limits discipline. I got the verses up there. I'm not going to read them because I'm trying to get through this. But it limits discipline. You want to limit the hardships that you're going through? Well, that's why confession is a big deal. It's a big deal. You know, if you haven't given your life to Jesus today, you haven't asked him to forgive you, you haven't encountered his presence, you haven't uh, uh, known a new life, this is how we're transformed, through confession. By confessing to Jesus our sinfulness, by confessing to Jesus our, 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 uh, our selfishness, by confessing to Jesus how much we need him to deliver us from our sin and shame. You know, Jesus was the only one that lived a sinless life. And that's why he has the ability when he died on the cross to forgive us and pay for our sin. That's why we can stand before God forgiven, being made right, having hope, standing before God as his child. John said, in uh, John chapter 1, he said, now you have the right to be called the children of God. You know, Jesus gave you the opportunity to belong by confession. And even though sin has no power to hold us back, it keeps trying to get its foot in, its door, in the door, doesn't it? We, we, we all are experienced in sin. We've all been challenged by sin. We've all had bondages of sin. We've all had challenges with temptation and, and weakness in our lives. You know, this doesn't, sin doesn't get you kicked out of the family. But it is going to, it is going to affect your relationship. You know, when I let something like a rude comment come up between Carla and I, it doesn't end our marriage, but it does affect our relationship, right? That thing comes into our relationship, it's going to affect it. What I found is that repentance opens the door to acceptance. Confession, repentance, it opens the door to acceptance. It works like this in my marriage, and it works like this in our relationship with Jesus. When my faith isn't growing, when my passion for Jesus is cooling off, 
one of the first things I ask myself, is this an opportunity for confession? Our relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's not private. It's personal, but it's not private. We live out our relationship with Jesus in the community of the church. This has been one of the biggest challenges of COVID. It plays, COVID plays to our weakness, in our separateness, in our privateness of our faith. We want to be private. We don't want people to know our struggles. We're, we're embarrassed by, by our sin. But we need to live out our personal faith in community. You know, when we confess to each other, there are some real and significant benefits. And I just want to talk about them as I'm closing today. And the first one is that it releases healing and it sets us free. It releases healing and it sets us free. Now, not all, not all sickness is caused by, by this, but I want you to know that people suffer. People are, are held back in bondage because of unconfessed sin. The Bible says if we confess our sin one to, no, to another and pray for each other, we would be healed. <laughs> one of the ways we can be set free one of the ways that we can come into healing. Maybe you're struggling with, with uh, something. I just want to encourage you. Is there something that you need to confess? Is there some way that sin has gotten a stronghold in your life and it's holding you back from the freedom that Jesus has for you? It happens through confession. Now, we will say, well, we just want to confess it to Jesus. And I congratulate you for doing that. But the Bible says we get set free from our sins as we confess to one another. That's where healing comes. And we pray for one another. And we help each other to encounter the healing grace of Jesus. It should be part of our regular practice. Confession and forgiveness and encountering the healing power of God. Number two, it breaks our pride and invites grace. Grace, you've heard me say many times, is God's empowering presence that helps me to be who he wants me to be and do what he wants me to do. You know, when we have sin that we're planning to commit, when we're accommodating it, when we're hiding it, <laughs> then we're in bondage. And our pride will keep us in bondage. Our pride keeps us there. Sin has no power over you. Jesus has paid the price. Jesus has got the power over sin and death. But our pride holds us in those places of accommodating and hiding, planning. Bondage is broken by our confession. Confession gives Jesus the power to kick the thief out of the temple. <laughs> you know, Jesus kicked the thieves out of the temple. Remember the story in the Gospels? He he made the whip and he kicked the thieves out of the temple. Well, he wants to do that in your life. And one of the ways he does that is through confession. It's the way he does it is through confession. He kicks the thief out of the temple of your life. He saves you from that enemy. Acts 10 verse 38, Jesus uh, says about Jesus, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's what he wants to do. 
And you can activate that through confession. And then the last point today, it gives the church an opportunity to demonstrate magnificent love. It gives the church an opportunity to demonstrate magnificent love. You know, Paul prayed that we would grasp in Ephesians. He said, I pray that you would grasp how magnificent the love of God was. In verse 18, he says, This way, with all of God's people, you will be able to understand how wide, long, high, and deep is his love. You know when someone confesses to you <laughs> their sin, their need for Jesus, and you love them? This is a practice that shows the power of the love of God, the power of forgiveness, the, the height and width, the depth of his love. You know, church, we get to determine what gateway will be known for. You get to determine what it will be known for. Je Jesus said this to his disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not love for some fake, phony, pretend, I got it all together person. No, love for that difficult personality person. You know, the person that irks you and bugs you and has weaknesses. And they come to you and they ask you to forgive them. And God gives you love for them. You know, Jesus said that the world would know us, would know the church by our love for one another. It should be one of the great motivators for us to practice confession. You know, we can grow in our faith. We can, we can cooperate with God to grow in faith. Is there something that you want to say to me, God? And please speak to me. Is there somewhere that you want to lead me? Then I will obey you. Is there something that you want me to surrender to you? I want you to be the king of kings in my life. Is there something for me to confess? I want to be set free. I want to be known and loved by you. And I want your church to be known by our love for one another. Thank you, God. As we practice this faith, as we practice this faith, God is going to grow us. There's great days ahead for you. There's great hope ahead for you. This is a great opportunity, church. If we could put these things into practice, we could see our faith excel and grow. This is a day to move forward, to push ahead. Lord, thank you for every person that's here listening this morning. Lord, as they're, as they're pondering this message, as they're pondering your word, as they're hearing your voice, Lord, we pray you would move us into action in our faith. Let it be said of us that we trusted God, that we had love for one another. In Jesus' name, I bless you. Amen.